0: This is a moral call right here. This is not about politics. This is about morality. Health emergencies can't wait for us to have some theoretical debate about some better idea that will never, ever come to pass.
1: We are behind every country pretty nearly in Europe in this matter of medical care for our citizens. I'm a physician. That means you have a right to come to my house and conscript me. It means you believe in slavery. Well, hello everybody. My name is Benjamin Day. Me, I'm Jillian Mason. And this is Medicare for All the podcast for everybody who needs healthcare. So, Jillian, today we're going to be talking about the other half. Oh. Unless some of our listeners are the other half and then we're talking about you. Oh. So, I mean, for most of us, if you've had an experience with the American healthcare system, you probably like walked away thinking like why can't I have nice things or even mm-hmm. like basic human things sometimes? Mm-hmm. I know between the two of us, we could go all the way down the list here, probably getting <laughs> stuck on gurneys, sitting in ER hallways, waiting hours for care, skipping other basic needs and things like food and housing just to pay for the health care we can't skip, or waiting like months for pre authorizations from health insurance, referrals from doctors, and so on and so forth. Even when we have insurance, it feels like nothing kind of works for us smoothly for the care that we need when we need it. But of course, if you are super rich, you probably don't have to endure any of these humiliating experiences because they have developed some new fancy ways to get the healthcare that they need exactly when they want it. So put up your pinkies and throw up a monocle because today we're going to do a deep dive into the lifestyles of the rich and famous and to find out just how fancy is concierge healthcare. And can the rest of us get us some of that? Mm. So, no spoilers, but maybe no. not. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, tease, teaser. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I'm hopeful that the whole point of Medicare for All is we can get some of that. So pinkies up mm, mm, still mm, a little mm. bit. Stay tuned. But. Jillian, so we're going to take this in two pieces, really. We're going to talk about physician care first and hospitals second. Starting with physician concierge care, though, which is Mm -hmm. kind of the latest trend in fancy healthcare, what exactly is concierge care when it comes to doctor services?
0: Well, I'd like to begin by saying that you know that concierge care is fancy because it's called... Concierge care.
1: It's it's French. It must be.
0: (laughs) I mean, how many people in this country are staying at hotels with concierges? Rich people are basically getting White Lotus health care and the rest Mm -hmm. of us are getting Motel 6 health care. Very sad. Nice (laughs) reference. Thank you. So some concierge plans are different, right? So some of them, you know, they are also called a million different things, including direct primary care. So, some of these plans work with existing insurance, and and those are like the cheaper ones. So, they can go from 600 to 1000 plus a year. So, that's like Hyatt Care, right? Some of these, though, you actually pay a flat fee that covers all your services. So, you don't pay for insurance in addition. And those are the really expensive ones, and they can run you from like 2400 to 30K per year. So, crazy affordable in quotes (laughs) (laughs) affordable right Right. (laughs) exactly yeah totally totally in the range of most people so you might be asking what do you get for your money and i'm going to tell you you get 24-7 access to doctors. Some of these services actually promise you your physician's direct phone number. which is... So you can fuck with your doctor at like 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and he has to take it. It's like, I yeah. just left the bar.
1: I'm not feeling so good.
0: <laughs> how cr- How wild is it, though, that we have gotten to the point where having your physician's direct phone number is like, a premium luxury service. <laughs> so sick. <laughs> In addition to that, you get some coordination of care. So like if they're working with your insurance company, they deal with all those pre-authorizations and stuff. Oh, that would actually they handle be very nice. Right? You handle your referrals. It's basically like someone like walking you by the hand and getting you the care that you need. And then sometimes you can get extra services like a health coach or something like that. Not strictly medical. And then finally, like some of them offer like crazy shit, like home visits, which I mean, when's the last time anyone got a home visit from a doctor
1: should not still practiced in many countries, but it's crazy here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right, right, right. And so, you know, the doctors, the one of the big benefits of this, right, is that the doctors who participate in concierge care or direct primary care would have you want to call it, they, they typically have patient panel of no more than 600 people, right? So they see six to 10 patients a day and they spend at least 30 minutes with each of them. Right. So. And
1: 600 may sound like a lot of people, but it's actually not for a primary care doctor over the course of a whole year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, six to 10 patients a day, and they get to spend at least 30 minutes with each of them, which is such, such a luxury. luxury. <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> when I go to the doctor, I'm in and out in like 15 minutes, and half of it is me actually just filling out questionnaires on an iPad about whether I feel right. safe in my home.
1: Or three different people, two minutes each. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. At this point, this has become tremendously popular. There are like 1,500 concierge care practices across the country.
1: That's not doctors. That's like practices
0: that's right, right. Practices, right <laughs> which contain many doctors and then of course at this point like one in five rich people like people in the top one percent are buying concierge care
1: what's wrong with the other four <laughs> <laughs> behind that's
0: the cool. times they're are rich people who are of the people
1: <laughs>
0: but i did want to mention though they own their own
1: hospitals
0: they probably own their own doctors I, yep. there's a lot of shady shit going on to the top one so i did want to mention though ben because we're talking about like the super rich here or whatever mm-hmm. that like for those like less expensive uh concierge plans like that they are accessible to people who have like an extra two thousand dollars in their budget over the course right. of a year which is you know a lot of people don't right i think the statistic is that most people don't have an extra five hundred dollars in their bank right like we have 500- negative right for money usually (laughs) debt credit card debt (laughs) (laughs) but that being said if you're like a a middle class person you know it is possible for you to access this and i've noticed that it seems to be really popular in uh where i live in texas which kind of makes sense to me because the healthcare system here as we've talked about many times on the podcast is so bad right? right that people feel like it's worth it to pay that extra amount of money to get you know, some decent health care.
1: So I, in preparation for this episode, I know I actually prepared for this episode, shocking. Yeah. I I looked up where- Believe it
0: when I see it.
1: <laughs> I, I looked up where I could get concierge care in Boston. And lo and behold, actually the biggest hospitals in the city offer concierge care from their own physicians, like on, on staff physicians. So Mass General the largest hospital in mm-hmm. the uh, in the state and it's also part of the Partners Healthcare system which they just own everything they're like 75% of of healthcare in Eastern Massachusetts they have this whole website concierge medicine and despite what you said at the beginning which is that you know the plans where you also need insur- health insurance on top of it should be cheaper this is mm. not the case at Mass General. Oh. <laughs> you at Mass General you pay $10,000 per year to join their concierge healthcare I'm sorry,
0: Ben. I just feel like I have to interject here. Like I I just have to like give just like a glimpse of the other experience at Mass General, which is that like their psych ward is directly next to their ER. When you go to their ER, it is a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, It is like being in like a 19th century asylum or
1: something. Yes. I remember being there with my brother not that long ago when he ended up in the ER.
0: I mean, it's shocking. Like people Mm. screaming, like it is a really, really shocking shocking experience yeah. to be in it's the a downtown ER
1: hospital it's right it's right in, in downtown Boston so right
0: exactly yes. and they provide great medical care and their safety yeah. net hospital whatever but also I just want you to know how dramatically different when we describe what this concierge care a-
1: exactly is like, and this is not even we're gonna to get to later the like luxury hospital shit, uh, which you mm, can also get yeah, in Mass yeah. General. This is just for your primary care doctor. Mm-hmm. So if you if you want the the real luxury concierge, just primary care, ten thousand dollars per year, and then you also have to have insurance on top of that.
0: They mm-hmm. have a helpful
1: FAQ on their website that says, "Do you need to maintain insurance?" It says, "Yes." Then membership fee covers an exceptionally high level of service access to your mass care general primary physicians 24 hours a day seven days a week coordination of specialist care as needed in state-of-the-art facilities it does not cover the cost of the medical care delivered to you
0: Mm. so
1: ten thousand dollars a year you get no medical care for it when that concierge primary care doctor you get assigned to gives you medical care they bill your insurance company
0: this, I mean, this actually makes sense of why they call it concierge care, right? Like if you think about the concierge at the hotel, That's you right. go down to the concierge and you're like, I'd like a nice dinner. They are going to exactly. tell you where to go to dinner, but they're not going to cook it for you. They're you not going to
1: fix your dishwasher. They'll just find you somebody who can, right? Right. And then <laughs> you're
0: expected to tip them on top. Right. <laughs> but
1: for this $10,000 a year, and this, this will become important for our later discussion. So Mass General has a small-ish staff of primary care doctors who are the concierge medical uh, primary care doctors. They only treat the, the concierge patients and members. They don't treat all the other plebes who get primary care through the hospital. And so they're the ones who, just like you were talking about earlier, have a much smaller caseload. They see fewer patients a day. They have fewer patients in general who they're responsible for over the whole year. But think about this, you're paying for your insurance and then $10,000 on top of that, just to be able to access the nice, like doctors who aren't overwhelmed with patients. And they give you like a few extra services, like 24 seven phone lines and stuff like that. So, but I was just, I was totally shocked by the cost. And to my eyes, how little you get for it, you know? (laughs) but <laughs> yeah
0: but but also like think about those things the the scheduling the uh you know right. those are the things that really give you a lot of agita other that, than the money which it's gives, true like i think 90% of agita around healthcare is about the money right it looks like they take care of the other 10% <laughs>
1: yes you well and you get obviously you get same day appointments they also throw in a health coach and a dietitian. i have always wanted a health coach and a diet don't know what it is <laughs>
0: but i'm sure i want it <laughs> it's great
1: they give you pep talks before every health-related decision i don't know
0: go team <laughs> what do you do <laughs> i mean that that like actually sounds like super awesome despite mm-hmm. the cost aside from money right aside from the cost of this it sounds super awesome so what's the downside of concierge care? Like what's the downside of some people just get better healthcare?
1: Well, I mean, you can see why you can see how this is kind of like a creation of our fucked up healthcare system on both sides Mm. for the patient side and for the physician side. So, you know, for the physician side, it sounds pretty good. Like what doctor would not want to, I mean, it sounds like some of them still have to deal with the insurance companies, but dealing with far fewer patients, you get to spend more time with each patient, actually provide care, listen to people. You're not being forced by an insurance company to kind of churn as fast as you can. It's like turning over tables at a restaurant, you know, it's just like turning those patients. It must be, despite having to just treat rich people who, with a lot of sense of entitlement, which might come with its own downsides, it's a little bit more like the practice setting that doctors would want to be in. but guess what? There's an article in Scientific American about how it's exacerbating the already pretty bad primary care shortage, primary care provider shortage. And it's starting to create this growing two-tier system. As we see more and more doctors- are What? Just a two-tier doing...
0: system in American healthcare?
1: <laughs> yeah. Unheard of, right? Actually, it's probably more like a four-tiered system, but yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we already have tiers for like your insurance coverage. But usually you don't see like the tiers in providers, you know, where it's like I'm a rich person doctor, you know. So <laughs> Yeah,
0: that's a really good point. So yeah. now <laughs>
1: it's like on top of the insurance level discrimination, there's also like a provider tier. Um, so obviously, you know, if you don't want to deal with a primary care shortage and you have enough disposable income, you can buy your way out of the primary care shortage mm-hmm. crisis in America. But guess what? That actually exacerbates the primary care shortage for everyone who can't buy out of it because there's fewer doctors treating everyone else. And obviously, the doctors who are in the system are seeing fewer patients. So, anyway, it's bad for the rest of us. And this is something we're going to come back to a little bit more when we talk about hospitals. But another area where it could be a downside of concierge care is there's actually very little research on whether it works, whether whether you have better health outcomes, if you are in concierge care. And there's a a real shortage of any peer reviewed studies looking at this, because it's it's also kind of a pretty new phenomenon. I feel like a lot of the, the resources we're looking at saying 10 years ago, there was just a handful of these and now it's becoming very prevalent. Right. So you might think, duh, no brainer, this must be better for your health outcomes because you're getting more attention from your doctors. You're seeing your doctor more quickly. You're getting all this kind of the health coach, the dietitian is going to help guide you through your health decisions in life. And they're going to fight uh, on your behalf with your insurance company and handle all that shit for you. It sounds great, but there are some potential downsides that we're going to come back to. But for now, yeah. let's just say it hasn't been studied. So people who think they're getting great care, they don't know that they're getting better care
0: it's true it's true i do i just say anecdotally that my buddy sandra shout out to sandra love you sandra who has concierge care she says that she does like it she says that she feels like her care is more integrated and then she gets better access to doctors or whatever yeah but so just just anecdotally sandra's digging it but that doesn't mean it's working for everyone right
1: (laughs) and theme of this program is going to be i mean some of the concierge stuff especially the hospital stuff gets wild, oh my um, God. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but some of it kind of feels like just doing good healthcare that all doctors want to be able to do anyway. And so in that respect, it should be good for, for patients' out- outcomes if you can afford it. But again, no research showing that that's the case. Yeah. And there are yeah. some reasons to believe that there are things working against you when you get concierge care as well that might actually harm your, your health outcomes. So mm, yeah, let's get on to the juicy stuff here, because uh, we, we kind of slow played this. We talked about the physicians thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Hospitals,
1: mm-hmm. this is where things get really wild. So I honestly didn't know anything about this before we started looking into the show. I just assumed that when you walk into a hospital, you just kind of get treated the same way. But Jillian, you're going to have to disabuse me of this and tell me what what the story is actually at hospitals. <laughs>
0: This is a little like, you know, the Anna Delvey story, right? That like an heiress or whatever who pretended to be someone else or whatever. But Mm -hmm. she she says in the Netflix movie, she goes, there is always a VIP. (laughs) Um, So it turns out that that's true in the hospital too, which is so disappointing. So one thing that I learned from 2015 op-ed in the New York Times, it was really, really good. It was called How Hospitals Coddle the Rich. And it was written by this Brigham and Women's doctor, Shoelle Clark. And she talks about something called, we'll come back to Brigham and Women's later because... Man, there's some another shit going Boston on there. institution. <laughs> there is <laughs> some shit going on there. But she she talks about the practice of red blanket patients, which I had never heard of. But basically, hospital staff, when they see a big donor in the ER, they put red blankets on them to mark them as VIP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, obviously, not every hospital does this, but you know, surveys suggest that this is actually a practice in many hospitals all over the country. Mm-hmm. So, when you're going to the ER. Bring a red blanket with it. Right. That's my recommendation. Hammer and
1: sickle flag on there, optional.
0: <laughs> 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 optional. <laughs> Purely optional. <laughs> oh man! So then, you know, you're in the ER and uh, you've got your red blanket on. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to get admitted to a regular room, Ben. You are going to get admitted to a very fancy luxury suite. And a great example of this is the Brigham and Women's Pavilion. Mm-hmm. The Pavilion is the private room floor within Brigham and Women's (laughs) Hospital. Again, like Ben said, a a Boston institution, Mm -hmm. a a wonderful hospital. I know a lot of people who have gotten spectacular cancer care there, but also. (laughs) (laughs) The
1: pavilion. (laughs)
0: Do you want to talk some more about the pavilion? I know you you dug in there.
1: <laughs> oh, would I love to ever? Um, have you ever gone to a hospital and been offered even any of this stuff? I, I guess you have to know. You have to know before you get. Either you have to know in advance, or people just look at us and they're like, oh, "No." We're
0: yeah, there. no. I think <laughs> they. I, I think they just look at us and they know.
1: Right, we don't have the platinum insurance card or something.
0: Yeah. I've been lucky enough to get my own private gurney in a hallway, mm-hmm. um, and Lovely. I was left alone in that hallway for over 24 hours. So it really was private.
1: Uh, that's yeah. <laughs> well, this is going to resonate with you because this is it sounds exactly like your ER experience. So <laughs> so here is the the Brigham and Women's own description of the pavilion. Patients who stay in the pavilion, their family, and those accompanying them during their stay will notice the spacious and well-appointed rooms of the pavilion, more like a fine hotel than a hospital, as well as the modern facilities that can accommodate their personal and business needs. Jillian, amenities include luxury features, including fine china and silver, warm wood treatments, and custom cabinetry. Fine dining, gourmet food service for patients, depending mm-hmm. on their dietary requirements, extended oh. hours and the ability to accommodate specialized dietary needs. So if you get a little hang mm-hmm. hangry at 2 a.m., you know, you can just place an extra order. You can wow. choose either a deluxe private room or a deluxe suite. The suites include window pane pocket doors that lead to a separate seating area with a sleep sofa for family
0: member or a visitor. Or your you know, if you have help with you, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't oh, want yes. to go to the the butler, or, uh, the butler, butler. yeah, yeah right. right, exactly.
1: Full-size tile baths with luxury features you would expect. I don't oh, know what to expect. God. I wish they had spelled that out for me. <laughs> Fine linens and spa robes, toiletry products, including blah, 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 kitchenette area with mini fridge, in-room safe, oh, wireless internet, flat screen TV, and I love how they mention a fax services upon request. <laughs> I don't know who uses faxes still, but clearly it's important. So we—I don't know how much this costs, but an old, old rich people. Yeah, <laughs> are they still faxing to each other just in I their spare know. time? Yeah, just
0: back and forth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, I refuse to email. So anyway, I don't know how much this costs, but a ten-year-old article listed this as three hundred to eight hundred dollars per day i'm sure it costs a lot more than that we're probably I'm sure looking it's at,
0: only gone down since yeah
1: <laughs> i'm guessing probably a thousand yeah. plus a night so uh, wow. actually more than more expensive than a, a luxury hotel so
0: yeah seriously i was gonna say you could like definitely get in at like the omni parker in boston uh, which is like in my opinion the best hotel in boston and uh, you could get a suite there for way cheaper
1: you just need to bring those medical staff with you. Yeah,
0: I suppose That's true. I, that's true. I guess when you're rich, you have a lot of options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but well, so this this then led you down a rabbit hole uh, on Reddit, which you know, as as people know, is one of our favorite things to do.
1: Hundred percent accurate, very well sourced material. We're about to bring to you here. <laughs> but there there's a there's a Reddit thread just asking about hospital luxury units. And so many healthcare providers chimed in about the luxury units at their hospitals that they work at, and I should say we we did find there are even whole hospitals that are only luxury hospitals. Oh, who knew? Um, if you don't want to interact in any way with the riffraff in any hallway or mm-hmm. entrance mm-hmm. to uh, the <laughs> facilities. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff. As you said, the big donors in the hospital tend to be flagged for the the luxury units and the red blankets, maybe if they're in the ER. So I'd say by and large, providers think that this is a disgusting practice and they don't think, oh, how amazing that you get to spend more time with these patients, you know? Right, right. I think I think even more so than the concierge primary care. The hospital bed, the luxury hospital units really offend providers. Yeah,
0: which makes sense, like you're in the hospital, you see like literally like from floor to floor, the major differences. Yeah, in way that, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I
1: should say the pavilion and I, I looked at a few other luxury units at other Boston hospitals, they all are on the top floor of like their tallest buildings, So you get like these panoramic views and big windows and all that stuff. So anyway, this this emergency department nurse said, I was told that they are deserving of, quote, a higher standard of care than regular patients because of their generous donations. (laughs) And they are assigned a specific coordinator who helps them grease the wheels uh, of getting them to their private room, have in-room catering, are visited by the AOD and other hospital administrators to make sure all their needs are met. This nurse says this rankled me in the worst way for the longest time. What about the poor guy with pancreatic care? What about the teenage mother who just uh, lost her full term baby due to complications at birth? So there's an implied, you know, these people are worth, you know, need extra attention that other patients do not um, and are not not worthy of of extra extraordinary care. So Yeah. yeah, and coming to a couple of other themes, also providers who are it was mostly nurses on this on this Reddit theme
0: because doctors don't like to tell their secrets.
1: Apparently, yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah, they're getting the kickbacks or something. So pointing at some potential negative outcomes of these things, um, one nurse says, my hospital has one. It is a catastrophe. <laughs> People who belong in the unit can insist they stay in the luxury unit. And more than a few have passed away because of this. I'm, I'm guessing because they didn't want to move to you know specialty units because mm-hmm. you, you can't mm-hmm. receive all the care that you might need in your luxury unit. Right. If you, if yeah. you need, if you need a surgery or if you need specialist equipment, you know, you might have to move somewhere else or in the hospital to get that care. But apparently some patients are, have such a sense of entitlement that they refuse
0: to leave that room. Yes. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. It's, it's that good. I mean, that's, in some ways that's a good sales pitch.
1: Right. Rooms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you can literally kill yourself with your sense of entitlement. And then we we did an episode not that long ago on nurse staffing ratios. There was one person who was talking about the Eisenhower and Palm Springs said they have a unit called the Ranker unit where each person has their very own nurse 24-7. To which another wrist responded, wait, there is a place where I can have a one-to-one nurse for VIP patients. How do I apply to this hospital? (laughs) So you can literally, you can buy yourself out of the staffing crisis. You can buy yourself out of the, you know, the primary care shortage crisis. Um, Everything is available to you with, at the right price.
0: Is there a problem you can't buy your way out of the country? (laughs) Okay. So. Except for my mental health problems. Sorry. Yes. Go on. That's
1: (laughs) true. You can buy your way into mental health problems, uh, apparently as well. So. (laughs) So we talked about a little bit about the downsides of concierge yeah. care with physicians and how that is exacerbating the primary care shortage crisis for everyone else who's not in them. Uh, what about the downsides of of these you know luxury units and whole luxury hospitals?
0: Well, there are downsides. <laughs> um, I mean, I think like it's worth mentioning. Not that anybody cares, but it's like actually really unethical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean, you know, like I don't know if I have to go into more details, like full stop. It's unethical. Like uh, the the way that I thought uh, the way that uh, Showa Clark uh, put it, she's that nurse who wrote the uh, New York Times op-ed I was talking about before about how the rich cattle, uh, hospitals coddle the rich. Um, she said, "When I allow one of my patients to be labeled important, do I implicitly label the others as less important?"
1: Is that a rhetorical
0: question? <laughs> it, it certainly was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I get the sense that she yes. says yes. Mm-hmm. Her, So, I mean, the whole principle of medical care is that people should get health care when they need it because they're people. And they need it. (laughs) And they need it. Not because they have the cash to pay for a penthouse suite in the hospital. You know another thing, though, is um, you know you were talking about uh, the way that physician concierge services can sort of uh, draw from the existing primary care pool, but you see the same thing in the hospital, right? It like takes away resources from the rest of us. Hospitals are constantly pleading poverty, right? And in some ways, they see these programs, like these like you know fancy suites and stuff, like the Pavilion, as a way to raise additional money for the hospital by courting these VIP donors, and in some places doctors are actually trained to do fund pitches for the hospital. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) I know.
1: I mean, that's like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, if you could buy your way into better treatment and it had no impact on the rest of us, I'm, I might not care that much, but think about, I mean, think about, you know, early days in the pandemic when hospital beds were like Mm. really hard to come by. um, And hospitals were just running out of, bed capacity i mean what if these whole floors that have these giant fucking hotel sized suites Mm
0: -hmm. for one
1: bed had you know had had you know a little bit normal sized hotel rooms (laughs) plus beds i mean it could have really increased our capacity and our ability to to address the pandemic and even back you know back then when we were doing the podcast we were talking about countries that have far more beds uh, per population and just were had a much better ability to address uh, the pandemic way be,
0: you know before we had access to vaccines. So. Mm-hmm. Now of course, when hospital administrators are confronted with these like accusations mm-hmm. that you know they're draining resources that should go to other patients, they always say no, this is just a question of allocating priority mm-hmm. but I mean, it is kind of a zero some game with a hospital budget, right? Right, (laughs) (laughs) They can hire a certain number of people Mm -hmm. and they need a number, a certain number of people to be butlering to the rich while the rest of us are dealing with the leftovers. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then this is something that like, you, you know the word schadenfreude. Well, of course, your your wife is German, so you know the term schadenfreude, uh-huh. right, which is a, a shameful joy, a term only a German would come up with. Uh, but it's the joy of something bad happening to someone else.
1: Yeah, not always shameful, I must... Um, <laughs> you can just have good old-fashioned joy.
0: It's true, it's true. I mean, it translates to shameful joy, but the okay. shameful part has really fallen off over time. <laughs> anyway, long story short... I have a certain amount of schadenfreude about something called VIP syndrome.
1: Mm, Okay. Uh All right.
0: So I learned what VIP syndrome is from this Boston Globe article from 2016. Um, And basically what VIP syndrome is, is, is when hospital staff are, Let me actually just use a description from this um, Mayo Clinic doctor, uh, Paul Muller. He says, VIP syndrome can lead caregivers to over-treat patients with unneeded imaging tests, for example, or to under-treat them by avoiding biopsies and other procedures that might be upsetting or painful. Um, Often, the pressure comes from VIPs. Entourage rather than the patient. So basically, when hospital docs are told that they need to prioritize VIPs, this can actually mean terrible consequences for their healthcare and for the hospital right. as well. Right. Yeah. So basically, there's this one incident from Brigham and Women's Hospital from 2016, which is just awesome. So okay. This was a prince um, who had ties, quote unquote, ties to Middle Eastern royalty. <laughs> and he was admitted to the pavilion at Brigham mm-hmm. and Whitman's. So we've just heard all the wonderful amenities Lovely. they have. yes. Yeah. But so the prince came in with some very defined ideas about how he was going to be treated. And some of them, like violated hospital protocol mm-hmm. <laughs> so first of all and this is wild okay this guy was diagnosed with a drug resistant infection but when the medical providers came in with protective gear on like their protective gowns and stuff mm-hmm. like that he interpreted that to mean that they thought he was dirty and he <laughs> objected to it you know of course we all know that that protective gear goes both ways right infection, like part of the yes.
1: <laughs>
0: part of the deal is to try to protect the patient from infection mm-hmm. or whatever but so he asked the doctors not to wear protective gear around him and they made an exception
1: oh, lovely when entitlement runs rampant
0: yes yes in addition to this they apparently let his personal aides administer medications what? okay which is as you might guess not the policy of the Mm -hmm. hospital oh he tipped all the nurses um and this is a recurring problem that i've heard uh that Mm -hmm. i saw in my research like uh, looking at different doctors complaining about these problems and complaining about vip syndrome is that you know obviously in the hospital you are not actually allowed to tip the nurses or doctors
1: right but if it feels like you're in a hotel Yeah, that's kind of what you do right i mean
0: (laughs) and so this prince in 2016 just like showered doctors and nurses Mm -hmm. with crazy gifts which of course the hospital claims were all returned to the development office okay and then uh, this one is uh this one's interesting you know, we saw the case. We saw that you know when he had a drug-resistant resist- infection, he objected to the protective gear, right? So mm-hmm. there's that side of things. The other side of things is, um, you know, that they were willing to do all sorts of things to please him, mm-hmm. um, and that created these like big concerns about whether he should have received all the painkillers that he demanded.
1: Oh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which again
0: is like a very uh, die- the diametric opposite of anyone else who goes into the hospital. Sure, right and has to demonstrate their pain in order to get painkillers, right? So, I mean, this created an internal investigation for the hospital. Ultimately, doctors were very critical of this. And ultimately, it brought a lot of criticism also on the hospital for violating their protocols. Um, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you, c- you can actually hurt yourself by being too entitled and yeah. throwing, throwing your weight around and kind of being expecting to get Cause so I think a lot of people think that more treatment is like better treatment also.
0: Right. Right.
1: So right. yeah. And when uh, you, you mentioned that thing about um, the Mayo Clinic guy talking about people getting unnecessary um, imaging tests yes, and it reminded me of um some of these things you, when you sign up for like a concierge plan, you get a free, these are becoming also popular now, these full body scans.
0: Oh, I, I really want one of those. Oh
1: God, no. Well, I'm about to tell you why not to do that. These are, <laughs> these, these are also, as far as I know, the they're considered not necessarily a good thing for your health outcomes because they so often come back with false positives and oh. they, they, so they send you off on all these different treatment things, which so you become you know it, it's it's kind of similar for like there's a big debate about like how early you start doing imaging for breast cancer yeah. And if you, if you do it too early then way too many women get overtreated for breast cancer that they don't have um, and it's kind of similar with a full body scan um mm. but it's also it, it kind of fits with the general trend here right <laughs> which is yeah yeah once you get into this system you can kind of you're you're allowed to ask for more and you're asked allowed to ask for what you think you need but often that can be more than you should be getting which can be bad for you mm-hmm. and you uh, most patients are very bad at knowing what they need i certainly count myself in that that category so
0: <laughs> yeah 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 often often
1: bad i know what feels wrong but i don't know what i should be doing about <laughs> it <laughs>
0: Know what feels me wrong. and WebMD. We're D-day really, <laughs> really good. <laughs> I mean, WebMD is is a concierge service, of sorts, right? <laughs> God. <laughs> um, but in general, I gotta say, so we went into this episode, and I have to say that I expected to like be disgusted by the introduction mm-hmm. of like unnecessary luxuries into the healthcare system. Mm-hmm doesn't it sound like sign of the cut? Some of this stuff sort of like you mentioned before is just kind of like decent healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we can talk about this.
1: It's because some of it is like, you know, the whole reason we're fighting for Medicare for all. And if, if you have a good functioning healthcare system, then you won't have a massive primary care shortage. You, you won't, you, you should be able to get same day or next day, uh, visits with your doctor when you need it. Um, that's like a measure we use when we're comparing us healthcare system to other countries that have, um, you know, much, you know, universal healthcare systems. They tend, you can generally get a first day uh, appointment within 24 hours. Um, same thing with staffing ratios, you know, like you shouldn't have to buy a luxury good to get like decent staffing. I mean, I, I don't know that you need a one-to-one nurse ratio when you're not, in an urgent setting or an emergency setting, Uh, but you should be able to get the medically necessary and uh, appropriate uh, staffing uh, levels. So some of it is just like our our healthcare system is so broken that it's created this market for rich people to buy out of it just to get the care that they need. But then there's clearly an an extra level, right? Which is (laughs) like wanting to feel uh, continue to have an unbroken experience of luxury in your life, perhaps from your day-to-day life through your medical experience back to your day-to-day life that I don't give a shit about. That is disgusting to me. And especially when it's worse for the patient and negatively impacts other people in the hospital. So I don't know. I have a mix of disgust and like, oh, these luxury plans are just kind of doing things we should be doing for everybody. And we could win with Medicare for all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that's a I I feel like that's like the point, right? Right. We all deserve nice things. Best. Sometimes celebrities don't know what real nice things are
1: and
0: a <laughs> rich people don't know what real nice things are. And also Medicare for all would mean that we didn't need this shit to make people feel like they're being taken care of.
1: And I, I have to say, I think our hospital rooms could look a little nicer. Just a, a little <laughs> bit in the hospital, in the hotel direction.
0: You know, I, you know, there was that one article that we found that was talking a little bit about how hospitals reserve their top floors right. for these luxury <laughs> yes. suites. But it turns out that there have actually been studies that show that having a room with a view can help you to heal faster.
1: Yeah, more sunlight, all that stuff. Why don't yeah. we? Why don't we give those rooms to the people who need it the most, so like mental health issues or something? Needs based, not uh, rich people based. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I learned a lot today. I didn't know anything about any of this shit that was going on. Um, mm-hmm. That's how mm-hmm. far away I am from the other half that I I didn't <laughs> even know what they were up to.
0: It's nice to check in on them from now time. To yes, time, exactly.
1: You know? So I hope we we all get the good parts of what they are getting right now. And if they want to uh, once we have Medicare for all and decent healthcare for everyone, if they want to buy their fancy ass rooms that they're not taking from the rest of us. Then fine. Fine with me. Have at it. Mm-hmm. So
0: <laughs> go to it.
1: All right. So I want to thank our podcast team. Jillian, our Ooh. wonderful, wonderful podcast team, our podcast God, manager. Great.
0: They are just great. awesome. Yeah.
1: Podcast manager, as always, Angelique Davis, our show notes writer, as always, Jerry Katz. Our audio editor for this episode was Arena Budanova. So please don't forget to like this episode. Subscribe to the Medicare for All podcast on your favorite platform. And this show is a project of the, Medi- of the Healthcare Now Education Fund. And if you Hell want to yes, support it our work, you can donate at our website, healthcare-now.org. Thanks all. Have a luxurious next week or two.
0: <laughs> stay safe and stay dangerous.